you. This is your time to spend with your people. So Lord, I just ask you to open up our hearts, our minds, and our ears to hear and to believe, Father. Let us activate our faith. Let us mix faith in with what we're hearing uh, to your glory. And we thank you for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. And praise God. Amen. 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 So I think what we'll do today, we'll talk about the fact that God did not stay dead. Amen. He did not stay dead. He died, but he didn't stay dead. If you're a follower of Christ, you may quote unquote die from this life, but you don't stay dead. In fact, it says that uh, he that believeth in him shall never die. So really what happens is we really depart from this life. You got me? It's not a grabbing of death onto us, uh, but our spirits actually exit our bodies. Amen. And uh, so it's a departure more of anything else uh, because he tasted death one time for everybody. And so it, it is not really accurate to say that we die, but we die from this life. You know, we leave this earth realm, but we have life everlasting in another place with a glorified body that never goes bad. It never deteriorates. It can't eat too much. It, <laughs> it is not allergic to anything. Amen. And don't break out in stuff and don't get tarred and run down and worn out. It's just renewed by uh, the spiritual forces of heaven on a continual basis. It lives in its right atmosphere again. It lives in heaven's atmosphere. So it's a wonderful thing to understand um, what Jesus has accomplished for us. And so I think we'll talk about that a little bit because it's essential. You know, these things are essential to our um our faith, our understanding, our success in life, our relationship with God for sure is dependent upon us understanding what was necessary and what Jesus did and what we have now and, and to live in that, live in the confidence and the faith of that uh, forever. Once the devil finds out you're not moved by your own mistakes and your own sins, then he's lost the, you know, he's lost the whole battle. Because his his main focus is to accuse the brethren day and night. And and he's trying to make the accusation stick. So if he can accuse you and get you to believe what he's accusing you of. See, what our mistake is, we start identifying with our sins. And identifying with our fallen nature and identifying with the past. And I hear people whine all the time. Well, I didn't have this and I'm this person. I'm that person. And they get mad at you if you correct them and tell them what the word says. That you're a new creature in Christ. Because people want to have an excuse to stay the way they are. Instead of living the new life in Christ. Now, I don't know why that's so threatening to people. Uh, to be honest with you, we should be thankful every day. That we are not in bondage to sin. That should be an everyday Thanksgiving thing. Father, I thank you that you died, your son died in my place. And I am set free from the powers of darkness, past, present, and future. But if you allow that to creep up on you because you're afraid of living in Christ, 
there's there's all kinds of doors that the enemy will try to open up to you and keep you in fear of living in Christ. That should be a joy to you that you have a chance to live as a new creature and clinging to the old way should should be distasteful. Living out of your soul, your damaged soul should be distasteful to the born again believer. Because if sin is distaste, if you really hate sin, you'll hate your old patterns. You know, I mean seriously. Uh, There's nothing glamorous about being weak. There's nothing glamorous about being disabled. There's nothing glamorous about it. Even disabled people are trying to get a miracle. You understand what they'd rather be able-bodied up and doing things rather than to be disabled. Amen. And the only thing that, that is happening in, in a person's life is that they have reached a point where they are fearful of going forward in God because they don't want to, number one, don't want to admit they've been wrong about who they are. They don't want to fail at what God is challenging them to do. And there is no failure in God. Amen. But you can't convince the, the pity party person that God will not let them fail. They'd rather stay where they are and not try and change or not allow God to change them than to go forward in the newness of life. And so there's always a fear there and there's a big devil guarding the door to not let them out and not let the words of God in. And so when you see that happening to you, you have to realize, you know what? I'm living in a past that did me no good and I'm really, I'm the biggest hypocrite because I said I received Christ, but I'm not allowing that process to take place. See, that's the biggest hypocrite because you say you're a new creature, but you cling to the old habits. A lot of times people like attention. Their old habits get them attention and they keep them, you know, crippled and getting all the attention in the place. And I can remember when I was a new Christian. I'd go in. The first thing I wanted to do was tell somebody about what kind of a day I had and what kind of a week I had. And, you know, I have prayer and this and that and the other. And the Lord stopped me one time. He said, why don't you come in here with an idea of praising me? And exalting me. He said, when you tell people your problems, you know that's not exalting me. That's exalting the devil. See, why do you exalt the devil first thing when you come into a a place? You see what I'm saying? And so we have to be ever mindful to stay in the flow of the things of God because God has given us so much. Uh, my, My feeling is most Christians do not take advantage of most of what God has done for us. And they'd rather admit defeat and failure and settle into a mediocre life than to admit they're wrong. You know, I used to think I had to live like this for the rest of my life, but God enlightened me and now I think differently. You know, that's repentance. That's really what repentance is, is coming to a place of understanding that old thing is dead and it's no good it's useless and father help me when i get tempted to pick that up and embrace it again help me to resist it to say no to it and to go on in my brand new life see the new life is an adventuresome life if you'll let it be it doesn't have to be a big scary thing it doesn't have to be risky for you if it were risky god wouldn't offer it to you 
See, Jesus took all the risk. And so we have to accept our new life as the chosen life that God has for us. Expect to glory in it. You know, you can study, 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 and but if you don't put it into practice, it's not going to help you. And it's the practicing that really is where God kind of kind of separates the the men from the boys, so to speak. You know, to coin a phrase, and so uh, from the, the mature from the immature. Those who are going on in God from those who are just uh, satisfied in their old life and, and watching other people make progress and whining and uh, I, you know, I'm not able to do that like you are, you know, like that's helping me some, you know, I'm, I don't know why not, you know, the same Jesus that died for me died for you. And so, you know, and people like that, I don't even offer them my testimony. I used to and think that would help. But people are stuck in that mindset. You can't move them out of there. You understand what I'm saying? God's going to have to orchestrate situations to help them to see the light. So you just pray for them that the eyes of their understanding would be enlightened. You know what I'm saying? That they would walk in, in what's real and leave the, the old stuff behind. Because people lock themselves in their own mental prison. And then they feel sorry for themselves because they lock themselves in there. You got me? <laughs> so, the natural thing, you know, if you, if you got, if you, uh, say went into a, a cooler, that automatically lock behind you. The first thing you do is bang on that door and keep banging and say, somebody's got to hear me. You understand what I'm saying? Everybody who knows they're imprisoned wants to be free. So you have to pray for those people that they would know that they're in prison. Amen. Not that you, you don't try and keep them in there and keep them comfortable. Don't offer them a pillow and a, 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 a comforter and ice water and hot and cold running this and that. You, you ask God to help them to see that they're out and, you know, they're imprisoned. They're imprisoned by their own, uh, ideas and all of that and that they can be free. Amen. Everybody can be free. So Romans four twenty five, Amen. Actually, we're in. Uh, I'll go up a little bit. Uh, let me see. I'll read from this. Uh, what is this? NIV, I think. Yes. Verse eighteen. It says, "Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed, and so became the father of many nations." So hope takes you out of the box in the prison that you live in. Amen. It really does. It is an essential to getting better. If you think that you can't get better, you've put yourself in a hopeless situation. So it says against all hope, he believed in hope that he would be the father of many nations. So your hope has to be focused on something. It must be focused on something. He says, just as it had believed, been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. Now this, this is counter to what, uh, people who don't have faith will say to you. What they'll say is that uh, you're in denial. This isn't what faith is. It says 
in faith, he faced the fact. People who are in denial do not face facts. They try to ignore them. They try to push them off to the side. Why? Because they're afraid to face them. See, fear will not face anything. Fear won't let you face anything. I can always tell when somebody's scared of disease. And they'll, they don't want to mention the word and they pretend like they're in faith and not wanting to say what it is. So I'll just tell them, hey, you don't have to name it or whatever, you know, we just, it's sickness and we gotta call it out because if you don't call it out, it's gonna remain there. And so it says here, he, he faced the fact that he was too old. Biologically, chronologically, in God's eyes, everywhere, everywhere you could mention, he's old. A hundreds, a hundreds real old for trying to reproduce. Amen. And he says his body was as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old and Sarah's womb was also dead. She'd never been able to bear. Yet, because God told him he did not waver. What that means is this. When God speaks something to you, it will shock you maybe at first. You know, if God tells you, you can do something that you've never ever been able to do, it will shock you, the hearing of it. But it says he didn't waver or stagger when he heard it. He allowed that word to go inside of him. And see, this is what the person who's determined to stay in his old nature won't do. He won't let the word penetrate. See, like if you tell somebody, well, you know, God wants you to have that. I know, I know, I see he's fighting that word. Or you're right, they're still fighting the word. I tell people, I said, just don't say anything. Let the word settle in on you. Well, if you say so, don't you say that. See, anything that they respond that comes out of their flesh, they're fighting that word. Write that down. Because some of you are are laboring, trying to believe God for things, and you don't know how to let the word, how to receive the word. See, any response that you give out of the flesh is fighting that word from penetrating and getting inside of you. Any response. Your response should be silence, yea and amen, or just don't let your carnal man get engaged in things. Because this is how people lose the battle, even though they sit under the word continually. They, they we have select, we have selection in our hearing. There are certain things we desire to hear for a different reason. Sometimes it's to make yourself feel comfortable. Sometimes to reassure you that you're not doing anything wrong. I didn't hear anything in the sermon that corrected me. That means I'm right all the time. Huh? Well, you got corrected. You just didn't receive it. You understand what I'm saying? Or we stiffen ourselves. Here it comes again. Pastor Barb on that again. You understand what I'm saying? And so we stiffen ourselves against letting that word penetrate. Faith is such an easy thing to acquire. 
Because you're going to get it from somewhere. Your faith is going to want to get activated by something you hear at some point. And it might as well be the word of God. Why do we stiffen up when the word of God comes forth? So you've got to allow yourself to hear the word. Allow yourself to mix it with your own faith so that you will get up and do the word and not just sit around and argue about it and have this thing in your head all the time. Back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Or try to add something to it or try to make excuses for why you can't do it. You have to learn how to accept and be like Abraham. See, that's the Abraham brand of faith. Nothing God told him faced him. If he didn't really accept it at first, he went out and meditated on it. He thought about it. He molded over. He didn't just toss it out the first time he heard it as not being for him. Amen. You don't know what's for you or not. You you got to let things work in you first before you know what's for you. Amen. If you don't give the word a chance to work on you and to to get deep down in you, you kill all possibilities of prosperity. You kill all possibilities of success. You kill everything because you're not allowing that word to penetrate get inside of you and do what it's supposed to do you don't listen to it enough you don't hear it enough you don't give enough attention to it for it to work in you and so as believers we have to get beyond the superficial attention that we're accustomed to giving the word and make it our prayer god i want this word to get in me i want to make this change i want to turn this corner i want to get beyond this i want to quit taking it personal when I get corrected. You got me? You have to you have to put that aside and think, God, how much you love me to to try and perfect me, to still be have confidence in me that I can improve my life. I can improve this. I now some people don't think they need improving. I'm not talking to people like that. But I'm talking to honest people who know that their life could use improvement, that they could use improvement, that they could use God's help to do things better in their life. And I'm not just talking about going out soul winning. I'm talking about your personal interaction. I'm talking about the way you live among people, the way you interact in your community, the way you interact in your family. Who couldn't use improvement in those areas? Amen. So those are challenges for us. But God has made a way for those things to be perfected in him amen so it says that he did not waver through unbelief no that's not me that's not i don't do that i don't know that is you why oh you you've just been indicted you've just been fingered (laughs) amen and he says he says he don't waver through unbelief regarding the promise of god see the promise is that you will conform to the image of christ you'll do everything just like jesus did why because you'll be like him amen and i'm talking about this process that goes on throughout our lifetimes perfecting us you know people look at each other and and say well they so and so they they do things so much better now and and they used to be this i said take your own inventory what are you doing over in that person's business you know christians used to think that was their job to uh to evaluate each other you know you can't get me into heaven 
And you didn't die for me. You got to take care of your own business. And so even that can in itself can be sin if we're not careful. So he says he he didn't he did not stagger at what God promised him. Why? Because uh, after listening to that over and over and over again for seventeen years, he was finally fully persuaded. Did you hear me? What did I just say? No, he listened to it over and over again for seventeen years. How long have you listened? Write that down. See, you sit there and you think that these things happen immediately and they do not. That's why we have the same sermons over and over and that's why Brother Hagin did Mark 11.23 for years. He gave people the same revelation over and over and over again. When after 17 years, Abraham was finally fully persuaded. If he'd been fully persuaded before then, it would have been a different story. But he was fully persuaded, finally, that what God had promised, he, God, not Abraham, God was able to perform. Do you know why we fail at things that we're trying to perform them ourselves? We hear a little scripture, run off with it, and we going to do this, and we going to do that. No, you should, if you hear a scripture that God wants you to perform, you need to get on your face before Him and say, God, please help me. Please help me not to reject what you're telling me. Please help me to quit fighting in my mind what you keep telling me. Please help me, Lord. Please help me. And He says, and this is why, when He was fully persuaded, this is why it was credited to Him as righteousness. See, we're tell righteousness is something we put off and put on, and it is true. But in order for your faith righteousness to bring results for you, it has to be imputed to you through full persuasion. See, I have to be fully persuaded that when I get up in the pulpit, God will be with me and help me to preach and deliver a sermon. You think it's easy? Just try it sometimes. <laughs> You understand what I'm saying? Sometimes we see God do through people with ease. We think are easy. I have many people try to tell me they're called. They they get up and you can see them watch you and and adding it up. Oh yeah yeah yeah. God told me. Well, see, I'm not to come here anymore because God told me I'm called to the, this realm and that realm. I say, well, there's these aren't realms. These are offices. So number one, God has not told you he's, you're called to a realm. men as well as women men get jealous of women preachers and think it's an easy thing and you know want to come into a woman's meeting and take everybody out of there and you're supposed to be with me now you understand what i'm saying so it's not it's not as easy as as it may appear for some people it may be easy you may be a fine minister but you've got to obey god in what you're doing you know, and God doesn't rob from himself. You know, he won't rob people from somebody else's meeting to build your meeting. Amen. People can make their own decisions, but you don't have to go in and tell them. You understand what I'm saying? So, so we have to understand that in being fully persuaded, 
God will credit us with these things as righteousness. And then righteousness opens the door to the fulfillment of the promise. So if you're not fully persuaded, the righteousness is not imputed that is necessary to open that door. Even though you do have righteousness available to you for the things you believe. So, so if I believe that God will get me to Detroit every, every weekend that I'm supposed to be here, you know, every third and fourth weekends, then God has imputed righteousness to me in that and nothing can stop me from getting there. You got me? Now, there are people who will say, well, I couldn't do that. And that's because you're not righteous in this thing. Now, you don't want to hurt people's feelings because they get the wrong idea. But if God has put that in your heart and you're fully persuaded that he wants you to do that, then that's imputed righteousness to you. And you won't be able to stop, be stopped in doing it. I don't even think twice about it. You know, people, I think people really rob themselves of the joy of things that God has for them when they have to keep deciding over and over again. See, there's no, there's no reason for that. You know, it's not like, well, well this weekend, well let me pray about it and see if God, no, I already have righteousness in me. I have faith for that and God has imputed righteousness and against righteousness there is no law. So there's nothing to stop you from accomplishing things that you are fully persuaded about. If you're wavering and you're vacillating, you can be stopped because there's no righteousness there to accomplish that thing. You got me? It's available to us, but we have to step into it by faith. You got me? So that's why many times when we're trying to encourage people, we call it encouragement. We're trying to encourage people to do this and do that. If they don't really believe that God wants them to do it or they can't or they're not interested in mixing their faith in it, they won't do it. You got me? And this is so challenging sometimes for believers to wrap their minds around because we want to believe that just because we believe it and we know it's God, they got to believe it too. That's not true. Amen. God has to persuade them. If that's something that God wants for them, he must persuade them. Even though it may seem the best idea, it might seem the greatest thing to happen, it might be the most wonderful uh, thing that you understand is going on. If they are not fully persuaded, if they got a little doubt in there, if they think they've got a better idea, it won't work for them. So God cannot impute righteousness to them for that thing to be carried out in their lives because they're not fully persuaded about it. So you gotta be 100% so. See, it, it's like, you know, we say like for instance when we're, we're telling people about the Lord and we tell them some things and they can agree and they can not and they can not and that. They never go to church. They never buy a Bible. They never read their name. And they can sit and watch Christian television all day long. 
See, I'm going to tell you something. Christian TV is just like any other program to many people. You know what I'm saying? There are pluses and minuses to everything in every medium that's used to communicate to people. And so many times Christian television gets to be that mindless exercise that any other program would have because it's on that TV. It's accessible. See, the thing of it is with television, there's very little faith exercise there. You think about it. When you, when it says, do not forsake assembling yourselves, don't, that doesn't mean getting around the TV. You and them people on that screen, that's not an assembly. Amen. And so, think about it. When you get up in the morning, that takes what? Faith. When you get dressed, it takes. You get in the car, it takes. When you drive, it takes. To get in the door, it takes. You got it? Because you're fully persuaded that God wants you in that service that day. And when you get there, your faith to receive what goes on there is already established. Huh? How much faith do you have to have in that TV? See, you can watch a lot of stuff and you turn it off. I don't even like that. That's no good. And that's, it's a different mindset and a different exercise altogether. So when the Bible tells you don't forsake assembling yourselves, if you'll do that, you can sit back and see the difference. Man, I got so much when I went to service today. I, the message was good and I got prayer and I got healed and I got a chance to fellowship. What happened when I watched that program? Oh. They weren't on their game this time or I got bored and turned it off. Or you watch TV and you looked on your phone at the same time. You understand what I'm saying? Same thing you do when anything, when HGTV or anything else is on there. Amen. And so we have to understand that there are differences when God tells you to do something. Simple obedience is so important, folks. Just do what God tells you to do and don't argue about it. Don't balk at it all the time. Don't try to find a substitute for it. Just do what he tells you to do. When he said don't forsake it, then don't forsake it. Well, see, I'm not forsaking it. I just haven't been in a while. You understand what I'm saying? We can have all kind of excuses for all kinds of crazy behavior, disobedience. But you've got to really understand that God has done this for our for our benefit, this this gospel is to benefit us. Quit arguing with everything in your mind so much. And start learning how to submit to the leadership of God. So it says when he was fully persuaded. Verse 22 is so important. And the King James says. And it says and therefore. No 21 and 22. And being fully persuaded. That what he God had promised. He God was able also to perform. You can believe God's going to do something, but you still got to believe he can do it. He can do it, not you. Abraham had already been partially persuaded that God was going to perform it, but that produced Ishmael. Partial persuasion leaves room for you to get in there and mess it up. 
Full persuasion means you take your hands off of it. So you don't have to get mad, rant and rave, carry on, talk about people. Just be fully persuaded that God will perform something. People believe, for instance, uh, uh, their boss is hindering them from getting ahead in the job. Well, if God gave you that job and he's going to advance you in it, why are you letting what the boss does get involved in there? See, that's not full persuasion. Whenever you get people in there and people can wreck your life or hinder your blessing or whatever, you're not fully persuaded that God's going to do it. See, you got to go back to the old word and the faith drawing board. And then righteousness kicks in and nothing can stop you from getting it. See? If if there's doubt or there's anything. I, I, I think about that when I think about conceiving. And conceiving children and having normal children. Uh, Jean Kasem, the widow of the late Casey Kasem, was... Had 14 pregnancies and 13 miscarriages. After number 13, she was fully persuaded. You got me? She was not fully persuaded before. Doctors would tell women who had had miscarriages, well, just keep trying. Because that's all they know. They know if you don't quit, eventually something good will happen. Uh, she always played... The, if you ever watched any of this, she doesn't, she wasn't much in acting. She did, was an actress, but she didn't have many, many jobs in acting, but she played little bit parts. She would always play the, uh, dumb blonde ditzy chick that, you know, had a kind of a, a, a full figure, you know, cause she was pregnant all the time. And so she would tell her testimony. She has since become a Christian. And she said one day she decided that if she never had children of her own, she would bless women who were expecting children. So she started designing nurseries. Upscale, high-end furnishings. She furnished so many nurseries that she finally got fully persuaded something kicked on the inside you understand what i'm saying faith works that way it has to be fully invested with no wavering and so by the time she had done this enough time she finally had her own child and her faith uh, there was no stopping it. See, before it was stopped because maybe what happened in the past or fear, is it gonna work this time? All the doubt and so forth and so on. By the time she did get fully persuaded, she was so immersed in preparing for babies that it was no stopping her faith. See, all the unbelief somehow moved out of the way because she was invested in it. And that's what we have to be for the things we want. You just can't shop for them and grab them and put them in a cart and get to the checkout and they're yours. 
you have to be invested in these things in order for them to happen. There is no excuse for people giving up on healing. There is no excuse for people giving up on a soul to be saved, especially a family member. Are you kidding me? There's no excuse to give up and, and act like that or get passive on it. You know, like, oh, I'm believing God and it'll happen one day. No, you've got to be invested in these things, folks. You see, up until Abraham was a 100 years old, he was still asking God, when is it going to happen? When is it going to happen? At least he was invested in it. Amen. And thinking and thanking God for for bringing those things into his life. And so it says here, he was, uh, um, therefore, therefore. Wherefore? What for? What are you talking about with your therefore? It's, it, it, the fact that he was fully persuaded that what God promised, God was going to perform and was able to perform. See, when you put it back on God, see, as long as we think we can do something either to stop it, to hinder it, to make it better, to make it, take yourself out of the equation and you'll be a lot better for getting it well god you promised i'm expecting you to bring it and then act like you're expecting thank you for it god i thank you lord i thank you that this is going to be our year to be prosperous this can be our year to be so and so we're going to start this week let me see something you understand what i'm saying stay engaged in the faith process and keep persuading yourself and then at some point you'll be Fully persuaded, it's counted, then righteousness goes into your account and the door opens for that thing. You got me? Don't go around saying, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Come on now. What's that getting you? Is that putting money in your bank? That putting bread on your table? Just you quoting that like a parrot? But understand the process. That God is putting you through. You don't have to tell anybody about your righteousness. You have to, that's a proven thing. Between, there's proof of righteousness in your life if that's, if that's true. You got me? What's the proof of it? Uh, well you better know. Amen. So we're gonna find out. Amen. So he says here that, uh, now, verse 23, it was not just written for his sake alone. In other words, this didn't stop with Abraham. It's not just for him. But also for us, <laughs> to whom it shall be imputed, if we believe on him who raised up the Lord Jesus from the dead. So if you believe on God, that faith there is imputed to you as righteousness for what? For whatever you believe. So, the first time you were judged righteous, hopefully, is Romans, well let me, let me just finish verse 25 because that's where I was going. Verse 25, who was delivered for our offenses, that's Jesus. Uh, the NIV says he was delivered over unto death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. So there's a two-step process here, and it's the same one that we go through. Jesus was delivered over into death, men, 
If you are a believer in Christ, you are dead to sins, just like he died for your sins. When you receive Christ, you are dead to sin. It doesn't live in you anymore. And you were raised up for your own justification. He was raised up for your justification and you are raised up too. So you're raised up signifying that death has no power over you anymore. The sins of the flesh have no power over you anymore. Your past has no power over you anymore. Sickness has no power over you anymore. If Christ is in you, he's in there raised up from the power of darkness and death. Amen. And you are too. But you got to believe it. And see this is the challenge of all believers. Are we still believing that all things of death and darkness and sickness and poverty have no power over us? Are, do we believe that we are raised from the dead? I, I got enough nerve finally one day to tell God. I said God I need more money around here. You know it was just I've been thinking it for a while and thinking it for a while. But see, looking at everything in the natural. And then you don't say it. Okay, I'm the only person here that's moved moved by natural things. <laughs> so you got to get yourself the focus off of lack, things, natural, period. And I told God, I said, God, I gotta have more money around here. So the next month, He gave me more money. And I thought to myself, I said, well, that's pretty good. I said, I could use that every month, you know, you know, you know, you know. And then God started to move things around. Hidden treasures of darkness. Supernatural organization of your life. And so consistently now, it's shown up. I thought about it. I said, God, let's see if we can work me a raise in there. What more can we get? You got me? But see, we have not because we ask not. Amen. Then we have not because we want to squander things and not be accountable to God for them. You know what I'm saying? So just make sure that he doesn't mind you having what you want to make you happy. But you got to make sure. Amen. That you're not doing it. You know, sometimes you, you've been in such a struggle about things. After a while, you don't even want it for the right reasons. You know, you want stuff to prove a point. You want stuff because everybody's looking at me and they're really not. If they're smart, they'll look at their own situation and try to figure out how to help themselves. Forget about you. Not that they don't love you, but they're not as invested in you sometimes as you think they are. So don't let other people's, you know, the, the opinion of men work into the equation. You gotta understand, uh, what God's speaking to you and stay with that. So he was raised to life for our justification. So, what is that? Why do we need that?
Whatever God gives us is necessary, folks. It's not just something, another term to hang on to your life, but justification has to be important in that. And so uh, the the word justification really means to be acquitted. The fact that Jesus is raised from the dead is evidence that we are acquitted from sins. You know how we tell people Jesus died for your sins and that's true. That's only half the story. The important part, I mean they're both important, but equally important is that he was raised from the dead. Why is acquittal important? That means if he died for sins, period, that means that he's established something that sin is temporary because it was removed. Anything that's movable is weak. Anything that's movable is temporary. And why do we make sin the biggest thing in our lives and other people's lives? And I, you know, you mention something that's a weakness in somebody and see how they cringe. They, they ball up like, uh, you know, the wicked witch of the West, you know, getting water thrown on her. It's, it's amazing how we can say we're living as Christians, but sin still has power over us. To change our attitude, to change our affect, to change our happiness, to change our mental condition. You mention a fault to somebody and see how they pounce to their own defense and you can tell whether they're justified or not. Same thing with yourself. If you're quick to want to defend yourself when people accuse you. Got me? You want to give excuses, you want to give them explanation, you want to cover up. You still are giving sin more power, power than your justification. So you indict yourself by your own attitude about it. See? See, if you really believe in your salvation, you believe in salvation, you believe in the power of salvation, You'll believe also that sin has no power over the justified. And let it start with you. Some of these scriptures we need to go back to basic salvation and work the truth of them on the inside of us. So we can start living better and living freer. And not being so on edge and, and you know tense and all that kind of stuff. Is you know looking for something wrong to jump up. You know that's no way to live as a believer when you're justified. You know you're justified. So also to be justified it means to to have absolution. That means your sins have been absolved. Now if you're Catholic, that means you gotta go and get your rosary and start praying some stuff. Huh? If you're a believer in the finished work of Jesus Christ, you'll accept it by faith. And you just hang the rosary on the edge of the pew or whatever and keep it moving. You got me? Oh, but no length of prayers can get you forgiven. If it did, the Catholic Church would be walking on water. You got me? It would be full of power. 
but it's powerless because absolution comes by works and not by faith in what Christ has done. Justification means to be pronounced righteous. Amen. You are pronounced righteous. Which means you are entitled to have righteousness imputed to you by faith. The first time we experience faith righteousness is when we confess Christ as our Savior and obey Romans 10, 9, and 10. So why don't you go there? Romans 8, but what does the word say? The word is near you, even in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. Somebody witnessed to you and preached to you the truth about Jesus Christ. You were able to believe only what was preached to you. So that's why we work with one thing at a time, folks. You could sit there and try to recite the whole Bible to people and see if you can get them to believe it. But there's a certain essence of it that God needs them to believe first. First, they must be saved. They must be born again. So that's always the first thing you want to impute to people. Amen. God also wants to alleviate human suffering. Part of the believer's ministry is to lay hands on the sick and God heal them. That's part and parcel of getting saved. To God that one is just as important as the other one. Okay. So you're free to offer prayer for healing and also salvation. You can offer those at the same time. He said the word is near you. It's in your mouth and your heart. See the word that you need for everything is near you. It's in your mouth and your heart. The word that you need to prosper is in your mouth and your heart. The word that you need to sleep a good night's sleep is in your mouth and your heart. The word that you need for everything that, that you need is in your mouth and your heart. Amen. It's not out there somewhere. It's inside of you. If it's not inside of you, you can get it grafted in you. Just open your Bible and start. You know, I, I've told many, many people about reading Psalm 91 at bedtime. Very few people follow through on it. Why? Because they don't want, they don't want the result. They don't believe even enough to read the Bible. To get their problem resolved. You understand what I'm saying? Here and there a little bit. Try it for a little bit. And then it doesn't work. And then they're on to just doing what they did before. You got to have more faith than that. You got to put. If if you know the devil could easily talk you out of your salvation. If that's all the faith you want to exercise in things. You understand what I'm saying? The only difference is that once you confess Christ. The Holy Spirit seals you. The Holy Spirit then begins to fight for you, for your eternal soul. But he can't do the same thing for every single thing you need. you got to exercise some faith yourself, folks. And put it all on him. he got to fight for me to get my bills paid. he got to fight for me to, you know, get my sickness. All. he got to fight. Gotta, no, he's not going to do all of that. He sealed you unto the day of redemption, which means he will not let your soul go to hell. 
But the rest of it, you got to work through your own salvation with fear and trembling. You just can't sit there and let every be passive about everything. Come on now. We put more faith in trying to get, you know, a credit card sometimes than we do in trying to get the word to work for us. So this word will work. You're just not fully persuaded on it yet. The only way you're going to get fully persuaded is that you must hear this over and over and over again. Don't always be looking for something new and interesting to come across the pulpit. You got to get established certain things, certain things you need because you got to live. And these things are life and death at some point. So he says the word is near you. It's in your mouth and your heart. That is, if you shall confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. You must believe not only that he died, but he was raised from the dead. Amen. If you're going to be raised up on the last day, you got to believe he was raised up and that you're going with him. Amen. Because he lives inside of you, you're going to go where he goes. And he cannot be on the cross still, He's and he can't be in the grave still. He's got to be raised from the dead. So when you know he's raised from the dead, you're justified. That's what justifies you is the resurrection, the death, and the resurrection. What does that mean justified? That means you're acquitted. If Jesus had stayed in the grave, we'd all be subject to death again. He's got to be raised up. Signifying that sin has no power over him and over God and over eternal life. Past, present, or future, it has no power. Eternal life is greater. It just is. So don't ever let anybody throw sin in your face. Don't let them accuse you and back you down and tell you you're not this and you're not that. Amen? But learn how to repent. You know what I'm saying? you got to stay in faith in Christ. Repentance will keep you in faith in Christ. Repentance just means you don't believe in your old life anymore. You don't put any confidence in that anymore. You've turned your face toward your new creation and you're ready to move on in God. You know, it's really what it means. It means to put off the old, put on the new. Amen. And so you you turn your mind back off of carnal things. You're not trying to make excuses for bad behavior. You're not trying to justify your sin and yeah, it's not that bad. It's this and it's that. And I didn't do this and you're not fighting. You know, the only fight we have now is a fight of faith. Why are you fighting for a dead person to keep them alive? You gotta fight for your 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 new creation man to be established in Christ. See the fight is to hold on to what God's given you and to increase it. It's not to make excuses for what you use what that dead person that you that's in the coffin used to do. Why are you defending a dead person? Trying to make them live again. That's the work of the enemy. He's always trying to make the dead man come back to life again and sin some more. 
And trust me, he wins a lot of them. So he's slick. You gotta, you gotta stay in Christ. You gotta stay in the Word. Amen. Romans, uh, okay, say we did Romans 10, 9 and 10. Now in Romans 5, if we want to go back there, we finish 4 and we're going on to 5. 5 1 says, therefore, being justified by faith, now when your faith and your justification is working, Everybody knows we have days where we listen to the devil and he puts you in a blue mood. How does he do that? With most believers it's by dipping into God's business in your life. Something he got nothing to do with. Something he's not even even responsible for. You know how some people are busybodies and meddlers? Well that's him. They get that from the devil. Amen. So he'll just come up and say, oh, why haven't you, you got this? You've been praying for that a mighty long time. Why isn't it here yet? Uh, devil, cause it ain't your business. See, but instead of saying that, we think that's us talking to ourselves. You think that's your conscience questioning legitimately why God is not working on your schedule. Well, God, I'm not getting any younger. Oh, God, you know, you know what it's going to take for for me to get that, huh? God, why is it taking so long? Expressions of doubt and unbelief are very powerful to hinder the progress of your faith. And the devil knows that. That's why he keeps raising the same question. You remember the last time you asked that crazy question of God? The answer is the same thing. He's not going to answer you. Why is he not going to answer you? Because you didn't ask him in faith. He answers all questions that are asked in faith. You ever try to ask the same question you asked in unbelief and you don't know how to phrase it so that it sounds like because it's not a legitimate question. See you'll get faith to ask God for anything you legitimately need to know. The fact that you don't know how to, you know, you, you try to say, well, well, I want to ask God why it's taking so long, but I don't want it to sound like I'm in unbelief. I don't want it to sound like I'm complaining. I don't want to sound like, well, you'll never be able to fix it up to make it sound righteous. You understand what I'm saying? So we just go ahead and drop the subject and say, well, God, I still believe you. I worship you. I praise you. I believe it's still coming, God. I believe you're going to give me what I want, God. Uh, and we leave it alone. Which is what you should do. Should have done that in the beginning. Instead of entertain that. And then sometimes we don't even. We get so passive. We don't even bother to address these doubtful well, ideas. When they come up in our minds. And then they start to pick away. And pick away. And pick away. And pick away at our faith. 
And then pretty soon in your mind you've got to give yourself a reason why it hasn't happened yet. And that's when you lock yourself in jail. Leave that alone. Quit picking at that sore. Don't let the devil push you to pick the scab off the sore and it start bleeding and hurting all over again. That's all he wants to do is get you to bleed and hurt because he was able to get you to bleed and hurt the first time he did it. So he keeps doing it. Amen. It's like prize fighters. You know, I I used to go to fights with my husband. It was a little brutal for me, but it was kind of exciting, you know, in the, in the fight game. And, and, uh, I did modeling then, so I would always, you know, get garbed up. And we, I said, what do you think? You know, before we go out the door, <laughs> it's just something we did for fun. We were sinners. We didn't know, you know, and I do the, <laughs> he said, front row. <laughs> so we get a front row seat stupid they'd always mistake us for somebody else it was <laughs> we got mistaken so one night i wore a, a real you know those real fluffy like long afro type rigs and this guy kept he said are you we were stuck in the elevator with some people he said i said no not miss ross i said people mistake me for her all the time I said, no or i put shades on they really didn't know who you were then they said they get back out of the door and you know i said it's working husband it's working so anyway, it was just it was just silly stupid kind of a funny thing to do it killed the boredom you know when you're a sinner your life gets boring very easily but Anyway, it was just kind of a funny thing to do. But, but, you know, we would get close enough to, you know, the ring to hear what was being said. And, uh, I can remember when, um, if a fighter would be fortunate enough to land a punch that really hurt the other, the opponent. And, uh, the guy at the corner would tell him, listen, you know what you gotta do now? Yeah, 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 I got him open now. And they would just boom, 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 go in for the kill. You know, you sold all the marbles to go in for the kill. That's the way the devil does us. You understand what I'm saying? He sells everything to go in for the kill on us. So if he can open up a wound, open up a, 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 a point of offense or or self-pity or something something that's always worked he keeps working it over and over and over again without fail that's why there's some people you know you just kind of tell them sometime now listen you're not going to mention that anymore you understand what i'm saying for their own good now people think that's mean but when you think about it why are you continuing to complain about the same problem over and over and over again don't you know the devil's keeping you interested in complaining about it so god can't work to help you He's just going in for the kill. Because he knows it's working. See, you gotta consider these problems already resolved. God's already taken care of that. We're not gonna talk about that anymore. I remember a really powerful teaching I heard when I was a really new Christian. 
on faith. And I've, I've thought about having this woman come and minister for us. It's just the door just never really opened up for that. But her name is Elaine Holmer. She is a part of Norval Hayes' ministry. I don't know if they're still affiliated uh, together or not. But um, she she was talking about having being diagnosed with breast cancer. And this was like 30 years ago. That woman still living, still healed, still preaching. And she said, you know what? She said, me and my husband got together and we prayed the prayer of agreement and the prayer of faith to kill that cancer. And I said, and I looked at him and he looked at me and we said it together. From this day forward, we are not going to mention cancer again in Jesus' name. But we're going to praise God and we're going to thank him for healing you. And she said it wasn't long before that diagnosis was cleared up. There's no cancer in her body anywhere. Why? They, they, they considered themselves, they considered it a luxury they couldn't afford to speak of what the devil was trying to do anymore. You understand what I'm saying? Talking about illness, talking about poverty, talking about problems is a luxury we cannot afford. You got me? It's going to be too expensive for you. You can't pay the debt that it would create for you if you allow yourself to focus on what's wrong, how long it's going. What else are you going to say about it? Okay, I've got a diagnosis. Now you want to add to it. They said there's no cure, and the devil's want the the doctor wants to do not doc, devil doctor. The doctor wants to do this, and he wants to do that. And I don't know if I want this, and I don't know if I want that, and I refuse to take that. Why are you giving the devil so much attention? You need to get those things under the blood. Get them under justification. Get yourself justified. So then you can speak about your health and your healing and let your healing spring forth and let the life of God spring forth. Romans 5.18 says justification brings life to all men. So if you're justified, you speak life. Justified people do not talk about their past. They don't talk about their flaws. They don't talk about sin. They don't talk about anything. Justification brings life to all men. You can't afford to talk nonsense, folks. So he says, therefore being justified by faith, verse 1 in chapter 5, we have peace. With God. Are you disturbed? You better get on the right side. You better get to believe in Romans 8. I mean 10, 9 and 10. He says we have access. It says peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. He's the one who brought peace through his death, burial and resurrection. By whom also we have access. There's a door opened. By faith into his grace. you got to believe you've got it. If you don't believe this, it's not going to work for you. You have a choice to believe access or not believe or access denied. <laughs> access granted, access denied. Justified people have access and they know it. By faith into his grace. That means you can't earn it. 
wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. So, you know, you find out that the doctor tells you you got cancer. Oh, I'm rejoicing in hope of the glory of God. Glory of God's manifested in me right now. It's killing the cancer as I worship him. It's killing cancer as I curse it. Cancer, you curse, you can't live in me in Jesus' name. Hmm? And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also. Ooh. Oh no, don't don't try to be happy around that person because you don't know what they're going through. Seriously? I'm serious. People expect you to take up put on a long face because they got one. Excuse me. That doesn't belong to me. A return to Cinda. Oh, yeah, leave all, turn all that stuff back into the devil. And it, it, tribulation works patience. Patience gives way to what? Experience. The difference between old saints and young saints is experience in God. That's the value of it. And experience hope. And these things can be imparted to other people. They don't have the same experience, but they get the hope benefit of your experience and hope makes not a shame because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost that's given to us so what does the uh, NIV say it says here in chapter 5 perseverance character and character hope and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us so instead of shame You have love poured out in you. It swallows up shame. It won't let shame live on the inside of you when there's hope there. Don't live in shame. Don't, don't be afraid of what's happening. You know, don't be, don't be, uh, ashamed of what the devil's doing to you. Cause he's doing it to everybody. I know. He's doing it to everybody. I remember there was this crazy family in our neighborhood when we were kids. They they beat up every family. They wait on you and catch you by yourself. And so one day, my uh, sister, older sister, uh, Deweese, was coming home from school, and they made the mistake. <laughs> and the minute she got in the house, she said, "Them blank, 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 blank," jumped on me. And my mother, who never went anywhere and never got upset, rose up from her chair and started out of the house not a word to anybody and we all went (laughs) traipsing behind her see if she had been ashamed of what the devil did to her uh, it's what the me too people are trying to get people to do tell somebody you got me don't keep it see it's easy to try and hide. You don't want to look like a pushover and you don't want to look like a crybaby, so you hide. Uh, nope, she threw her books down and the minute she got in the house, she told. And <laughs> I'll save the end of the story for another day. <laughs> it's kind of funny. <laughs> Even my dad went. <laughs> yep. And my dad was one of those, those old country Country guys, uh, he'll stay off to the side with his hands in his pocket, and you don't know what he's got in there. You understand what I'm saying? But he's got something for you. Trust me, not let go. Let his family. As long as the fight's going good, you don't hear from him. But 
were it to take another turn or if one of the men in their little group did something he is ready so you don't let the devil push you around folks and that's the way the church should be everybody should run to our aid when the enemies attacking us don't get the don't get stupid in your head about god's people like you can't tell them because they talk too much or they gossip. Now some of them do. Some people you just don't tell them nothing. You know, you know who those people are. But God will lead you to faithful people that you can share what's going on and, and don't hold it in. You know, uh, I felt so bad for that little lady that was here yesterday. Her mind's confused about what to say, what to tell and all this kind of stuff. And so. <laughs> said to myself lord have mercy so i just had to to have her go aside until i could hear from god what to say to her you know what i'm saying because what i wanted to say wouldn't have been nice but you know i'm i'm a spiritual woman most of the time but you know what i'm saying you try to you want to help people you don't want to offend people that's easy to do but helping them takes a little effort you know and then finally she understood that she could say that she had That she had a disease that was trying to return on her. Well, honey, you came to the right place. You were going to leave here and not get help playing games, you know. So sometimes, you know, people try to be spiritual and you can tell they don't really know very much. And and so, you know what I'm saying. You just kind of have to say, well, God, why did you bring that person here and let me help them? get what you have for them you know what i'm saying so anyway so here we have romans 5 again so we're justified folks that is that's a big word justification means that you have approval you are divinely pardoned but you're justified by faith fully persuaded you got me you're divinely pardoned and you're released from deserved punishment. You're released from the punishment you deserve. So when you first confess Christ, you were divinely pardoned from past, present, and future sins. If it was just past sins, then the blood of Jesus would not work for you in the future. Mm. Got me? The way to righteousness is to have faith in your confession. So you f- believe that if you know God here I've done this again. Oh Lord you know what should I do. You confess it again and you're forgiven again. But that doesn't seem right. I just keep messing up. Are you kidding me? That's one right thing in your life. That you can keep messing up and keep confessing. I know it doesn't sound right. It sounds cheap and it's a, but it ain't cheap baby and I know it's not. And to believe it and accept it is the hardest thing. Because the devil gets people to believe that they're no good and, and mess ups years after they've been born again. He gets them. How do these ministers who have built worldwide ministries suddenly fall into adultery? They quit believing in their own justification. So you start looking at some woman that's not your wife and you keep looking, you keep looking and the devil tells you, now listen to you, look at you, what you're doing. You better stop that. You can't stop it, can you? You better just go ahead and, and leave your wife. That's how it happens. Why? They keep, they quit believing 
in the power of the death, burial, and resurrection. They quit believing in their own justification. Even though they can go out and preach it to other people. They don't apply. You gotta apply this stuff to your life every day. Can't let the devil get a foothold on you and start, you know, accusing you. And some people are accused in their minds continually. They never get a rest. How do I know that? Because the first thing that jumps out of their mouth is an excuse for something. Instead of, you know, forgive me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to do that. You know, if you would spend some time renewing your mind and meditating on the word, those thoughts would, you know, flee from you. The devil will will flee from you if you know how to resist him. But you got to resist him in, in submitting to God. Submit to his word. Resist the devil and he'll flee. So Romans 5 tells us we have eternal justification. Amen. It says... Verse 9, much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. That's eternal damnation. So there's your eternal salvation again. For if when we were enemies, we have been reconciled to God by the death of his son. So the death paid the price. That reconciliation means the price was paid to God by the death of his son. Much more being reconciled shall we be saved by his life. So it's easier for us now that we're born again. Now that you've been reconciled, it's much more beneficial for you to believe that it's easy for you to receive the things of God now. You got me? It should not be hard for believers to get the things that they need. It should be easy now that you're reconciled. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ by whom we have now received the atonement. Have you received it? Then take advantage of it. Have you received it? Then confess your sins and quit telling the devil. See, this is for condemned people. People who don't want to confess their sins, they're condemned already. They're looking for a way to excuse their sorry condition. They say, oh, you don't have to keep confessing your sins over and over again. You liar. And the truth is not in you. Wherefore, and see, people like hearing it. Huh? Your carnal man likes the sound of that. Because he doesn't want to be wrong anyway. He wants to live and take you to hell if he can. You understand what I'm saying? And if nothing else, he can keep you frustrated and you can't get the blessings of God to come through in your life. Because you think all this is unnecessary. Was what Jesus did unnecessary? Was that a light thing? And you mean to tell me you can't admit you're wrong? And he did all what he did? You ought to be ashamed of yourself to even think something like that. So he says here, verse 18, Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came to all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one. Salvation would come to all men. The free gift came to all men unto justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. 
Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. So grace is much more powerful than sin. Don't let sin stop you from doing anything. Confess that. Tell the devil, look devil, listen devil, I'm confessing it. Yeah, I did it. But God, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. And then you're justified. Amen. You're fully, be fully persuaded of this. That sin cannot stop you from anything that God has for you. Amen. All right. Why don't we stop? Father, we thank you that we are justified by faith in the blood of Jesus, in the death, burial, and the resurrection of Christ. And we thank you that grace reigns through righteousness and eternal life by Jesus Christ. We thank you, Father, that we are eternally righteous. By faith, we've got to believe it, Lord, and believe it rightly. And we thank you for it, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God.